Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 33, entitled The Kobayashi Maru, in which I'll be examining issue number 28. Please stay tuned. Welcome back. Uh, This week, we're going to add something new to the podcast of uh, 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 terms of a follow-up or a quick overview of of where we're at in, in terms of pod the podcast uh as far as story arcs so um like this week it'll be helpful because last week we had that interview and hiatus and we took a break in between the legion story arc so i think it'd be really helpful just to kind of refresh our minds where are we at um and where where we're at is uh Mir Island. Early, early in New Mutants uh New Mutants um chronology and mythos, uh Claremont introduced Gabrielle Huller and her son. And Moira McTaggart was tasked with trying to help Legion. Uh, a character we learn eventually is Legion, um, David Holler. And we also find out that that's Charles' son. Well, that's unknown to Charles at the time. He doesn't find out until he is called upon to come and help Moira on Mirror Island. And he brings Danny, uh, Moonstar, Rain Sinclair, Doug Ramsey, and Warlock with him, along with Sean Cassidy. They all come back to Mirror Island. And... He's here to, to help David. And he doesn't know what's going on, but he does know that this is similar to what happened to Gabrielle Huller. And so in an effort to... Uh, he's there to help, and stuff is going weird. Um, we have uh, Sharon Freelander and Tom Corsi both suffering from uh, their comatose, um, catatonic, non-responsive... And they do have some life signs, but there's no n- no minds. Like Xavier can't sense their their the their uh, their minds at all. He he doesn't know quite what's going on. And so uh, that's that's one of the problems. The next problem, obviously, is David Holler. How do you help David Holler? And eventually, everyone gets pulled basically into David's mind. And Warlock and Jimmy Madrox are pretty much the only ones uh, on Mirror Island. Everyone else is catatonic, and they're they're in David's mind. And that's kind of where we pick up. Uh, Xavier and the other new mutants are working with some of David's personalities, um, and trying to trying to help David and and save. Uh, Tom Corsi and Sharon Freelander and themselves. So that's where we'll be picking up this week. Uh, the conclusion of the Legion arc um, here in issue 28. Uh, so let's dive in and we'll begin, as usual, with our creative team. So our creative team really hasn't changed at all. We still have Claremont and Sienkiewicz, uh Claremont's writing, Sienkiewicz art, um, Orzechewski's doing the lettering, and Glynis Oliver 
Now, Glynis Oliver is Glynis Wynn. Uh, Oliver is her maiden name, uh, and she she's gone. She goes back to that in 1985, and so that's why we see her credit is credit as Glynis Oliver in this this issue. And Nascenti and Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter is obviously the editor in chief, and and Nascenti is the line editor, and uh, that's that's the creative team. So it's it's pretty stagnant and. I just think it's really important that we review it. We 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 highlight that because this is the creative force that has brought the new mutants to life and put them on the page. And it's my favorite comic, you know, ever. <laughs> I love it. It's so I just think it's really uh, appropriate each episode to continue to highlight those creators. Um and if if you know, you're ever intrigued by something that you you see in the art or on the page, and you haven't aren't familiar with an artist or an editor or you know any of these people. You certainly it, it's possible to find the other work that they've done. Um, that's not hard to track down, especially with comics being digital now. And you know, trade papers are so popular. Like it's it's pretty easy to find these works, and so. I just think it's worthwhile to review uh, these creative teams and, and to make sure their names are are out there, especially among us can, comic, uh, comic uh, collectors and uh, aficionados. Uh, we should know who, who created these beautiful things, the things that we hold so dear. But anyways, let's, let's I guess I'll just move on. I, I digress. This issue opens in David's mind, David Huller's mind. This is the son of Gabriel Huller we, we talked about in the quick overview. And Xavier and the New Mutants have been trying to help him. Everyone's pretty much trapped in his mind, however. And Xavier is currently climbing a cliff, this giant mountain, with the help of one of the more dominant personalities in David's mind, and that's Jack Wayne. Jack Wayne is this swath, swashbuckling adventurer, uh, very suave and confident. He has telekinetic abilities. And as these two, as the two men are climbing this cliff, Xavier's struggling. He's, you can see the way he's been drawn. He, he, he looks as though he's exhausted. He looks like he's really uh, doing everything he can to keep up with Jack. And he's pushing himself to the limit. He doesn't know how much further he can go. He's really struggling to climb. He knows he wasn't a strong climber at any point in his life. And it really seems to be taking its toll on him now. And as he's thinking about this, and and they're moving up higher and higher, he slips. And he begins to fall. And Jack does save him. Jack uses his telekinetic abilities, and, and, he, and he catches Xavier, warning him that if he falls here, Xavier will die. And death in, 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 in this reality, in, in David's mind, will result in the death of, his, of Xavier's body. He'll, he'll be dead. Um, and Jack, what we get as the readers, since we're, we're reading this, we see his thoughts, right? We see his thought bubbles. And he's, he's not to be trusted, we've, we find out. He thinks to himself, and I really can't afford that just yet. After he told Xavier that he can't, you know, can't lose him. 
you know, if they lose him, you know, any chance of helping David will be lost. And Jack is playing his own game here. He's, he's doing, he's in this for himself. He's not here to help David and he's not here to help Xavier. He's only trying to get help to achieve his own means, which we are not clear on yet. Now, <clears throat> they they rest here, the, the two of them, Jack and Xavier, uh, and they talk a little bit. And and Xavier's confused. This mountain just keeps getting more difficult and gets higher. And Jack tells him, "Well, you know, this is this is all because of the young Arabic boy, the young Arabic man, uh, who'd been pulled into David's mind, and he's been." He's the one who's holding David hostage. He is doing what he can to keep us from him. And so this is only going to get harder. And Xavier points out, well, you're the, you're the telekinetic. You should be able to manipulate this, this environment. And what Jack tells Xavier is, well, this, this young Arab boy, this young Arab man, this young Arabic boy or man, he is, he is the telepath. And as a result, he controls this domain. He has really that ultimate control here. And so they're just going to have to keep going. This is going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take much, much more effort on their part to achieve, to get to the to the dome and to David. And uh, as these two gentlemen are sitting here, relaxing and resting and taking their breather, they hear someone call Charles Xavier's name. And Xavier knows it's his students and Moira and, and Gabriel Huller. He could sense their thoughts. And Danny, when, when they climb up to where they are at, explains this, what has happened, that they'd, they'd been on Xavier, following Xavier. They, they, they found his trail and they've been tracking him. And they got to the base of the mountain. They went to bed the night before. And when they woke up in the morning, they were only a few feet below Xavier. And so they two parties get to join together on the cliff face. Um, and everybody's pretty happy to see each other. Rain's re- relieved to see Charles Xavier. They embrace in a hug. And Xavier tells her that he's proud of her, that she's facing her fears and, and doing a really good job. And we get this interesting uh, commentary um, between this back and forth between Jack Wayne and Cindy. Cindy is another dominant personality, and she is the pyrotech. Uh, she is able to manipulate fire. That's she has that ability, and her and Jack don't quite get along. They know each other very well, and it does seem as though they've worked together in the past. But she does not have any love for Jack, and Jack pats her on the head in a very um, condescending way treating her like a child um, and looking down upon her. And after Danny has related the story about how they'd been, they had found them, they knew that they were high on the mountain. And the next morning when Danny and the group awoke, Jack and, and Xavier only a few feet above them, Jack, uh, Jack Wayne tells Xavier, hey, see, I told you, the young Arab boy, he, he runs this. This is his, his environment. He controls things here. And Cindy shoots back, he has a name, you know. She doesn't say anything more than that. And the only person she could be referring to here 
is this boy, this young, this young Arabic man that is running around in David's mind. And Jack just kind of pats her on the head and, and, and brushes Cindy off like grown-ups are talking is very much the image he's portraying at least how I read this. And he continues his conversation with Xavier, saying, this is why I've never been able to, to, to do anything, do any good, haven't been able to help David. And as he's telling this to Xavier, Cindy's telling Wolfbane, uh, Rain, hey, you, you need to take care of this guy. He's a scumbag, kind of. Here's what she says. Yo, Fuzzy, do me a favor and bite this sucker, will ya? Don't care where, so long as it hurts. So these two are definitely not like best of friends, good pals. Now, their reunion, this whole group's reunion, is interrupted as fighter jets appear, and they begin strafing, they begin their attack run. And Cindy and Jack make short work of them. Cindy explodes a couple in, in, in midair. Uh, they just incinerate in flame, and Jack catches one with his tele- telekinetic powers and slams it into the mountain above them. Uh, he shields himself from the falling rubble using his abilities, uh, and and pref- Xavier's not happy. Um, neither is Danny, and she calls out an avalanche. You know, they they all get in, get in cover, uh, and they all are are protected from the the falling debris that's coming down on top of them, and uh, she tells you know she's she's going after Jack, you know, for, for doing this. Like, this was a terrible idea. And he calls her Hiawatha at this point. And, and Doug comes up to her defense, and he's like, I'll just read what Jack says to, to, uh, to, uh, to Danny. Don't fret, Hiawatha. Nothing can punch through my TK shields. Hi, give me a break. That was Doug's response. Um, so Doug, who calls it, interestingly enough, calls her chiefy. So do all of their new mutants, by the way. They quite often call Danny Moonstar chiefy. Um, That's kind of her nickname that she's been given. Um, Whereas, and and they do so, I guess, lovingly. Uh, It's an interesting dynamic, and it's interesting that they take umbrage when he calls her Hiawatha, uh, but they don't seem to have an issue calling her Chiefy. Um, now, Danny, as far as I know, in any of the in-panel, on-cut page uh, issues, anything, has she ever claimed that that was something she didn't, didn't want to be called as far as Chiefy? But we're also having a white man write these issues, and, I, and I've said it time and time again, I love Chris Claremont, but he is not a Native American woman. And uh, I think one of the key, at least for me, when, when I talk about um, when I talk about issues of, you know, it's not my intent that matters, right? It, it's never the intent that matters. It's how somebody takes it. Right, I may intend a comment to not be injurious. I may intend something to not be something that somebody takes offense to. And you can you can say whatever you want about this, but in my opinion, if somebody says that's offensive, they're the ones who gets to determine that, not me. Especially when we're talking about uh, ethnic groups, minorities, um, 
different, you know, just any, I, I mean, I'm a white man. And I've talked about this, I believe, on the podcast before. I am the last person who gets to determine how a Native American woman feels or how a black man gets to feel or how a white woman gets to feel. Like, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So, just, you know, it's something I think to be aware of. You may not agree with me, and that's okay. You know, each and all, you know, everyone has their own opinion. But... I'm a big believer that, like, I don't get to determine what's offensive to somebody that I, a group of people that I am not, I am not part of due to, you know, the the privilege, I'll, I'll say it, the privilege that I, I, I receive on a daily basis, the privilege that I, I don't have to, I get a look at this when I want to look at it. And when I'm done looking at it, I can go back to my everyday life and, and, and not have to look at it. And that's enough preaching. I just found it odd that Doug comes to, to Danny's defense when, when she's referred to as Hiawatha. No, Danny waves him off saying, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, she does not like, we find out through her thought bubbles, she does not like Jack. She's not impressed. And she doesn't understand what the Xavier sees in Jack. Uh, and she's, and, you know, she doesn't voice this to anyone, though. So now we have pretty much the entire group not too thrilled with Jack. Now, Xavier is quick to say, hey, Jack, that was out of, you're out of line here. You know, you shouldn't, you got to, you know, we're working together. We're a team. And you need to be, you know, these decisions, you can't just make them on the fly. You need to, to take into account everyone here. Like, we're all, you're putting us in danger. And Jack tells him, okay, yeah, I hear you. I can't, you know, I, I'm not, I can't vouch for anyone else, but I heard you. Now, Jack, and, and as Jack continues his conversation with Xavier, Moira and Rain are talking. And Rain tells Moira she does not like Jack's scent. There's just something about his aura or his scent. She just doesn't trust him. She doesn't like him. And before they're able to really continue this conversation with any with any much longer, a big giant windstorm blows up out of nowhere, and it starts buffeting the group on this cliff face, and everybody's just trying to get get you know up against the the rock face, trying to trying to stay is in whatever shelter they can, so they're not blown off the mountain. And uh, as they're you know trying to take shelter. Uh, and not really paying attention to the ground or the the rock face behind them, these long spikes begin to grow out of the ground and, and the rock face behind them. And it begins trying to push them off the edge. And they quickly realize they either have to climb up, and if they begin climbing, the wind will blow them off. But if they stay there, they'll be skewered with these spikes. Elsewhere, Bermuda, the middle of the triangle, Bermuda Triangle, uh, in the Atlantic Ocean. We we know who's here. It's it's Lee and, and and Magneto and Lee is out for an early morning swim and she's trying to figure out she's trying to to clear her head 
you know, she's swimming in the ocean and just swimming laps, getting some exercise. She doesn't know what to do, what to make of the situation. She hadn't expected this to happen, to fall for the master of magnetism, to have any sort of interest in him. He, he's a mutant, and it's not that he's a mutant, because Lee's had relationships, you know, with other mutants before. Uh, Cyclops was the most recent, and she didn't have a problem with him being a mutant. What her problem with Xavier is that he he's been a villain, he's been a villain prior to this, and he's expounded hate and distrust for humans and the superior superiority of mutant kind, and she's not sure she can be with someone like this. And she's sitting as she you know gets out of the water. She's sitting there thinking to herself, and all of a sudden a tray with a flower and breakfast appears on it. And it's breakfast for two. And I love the art here. This panel is beautiful. It really conveys, like, she's, uh, Lee Forrester has her knees pulled into her chest. She's holding it with one arm. The other arm's kind of propped up under her chin. And her body is leaning away from the tray. And it, it, it looks as, her face is, not scrunched and not in anger, but just uneasy. And a magne- magneto now appears, and he greets her, you know, and he's overjoyed. He's a man in love. And Lee isn't sure. She's concerned and afraid. And She's very short with it, Magneto, and he asks if everything's okay. And he and he leans into her, and she says she asks him to stay away. And he wants an explanation. You know, they had a night together. They just they just they just uh, had relations. You know, they they've, they they spent the evening together, and he's overjoyed to have found her and to have had this. And she says, you know, she doesn't want to explain it. She says, nothing, I'm fine. And she she dives, she goes to dive back into the, to the water to swim away, uh, to continue her laps, and, and he stops her. He uses his magnetic powers, and he prevents her from getting in the water. And this does nothing to to dissuade her fears. You know, she realizes that with a wave of his hand, he forced her to stop her leap in the water midair and brought her back to him. And Magneto's demanding an explanation. You know, he, he, he realizes she's upset and angry with him, but he doesn't understand why. And she's she's afraid. She's afraid of who he is. She's afraid of of uh, she's afraid of him. She's afraid of him. And she too. I mean, felt she enjoyed the night before, but she's she 
you know, and she, and she's willing to have had that, but, but she's not sure it was an honest act or an honest emotion. And she points out that he, what he just did, you know, having, he, he forced her to prevent her from jumping into the water. And if, if he can force her to do that, you know, can anything be, you know, can he force her to do anything he wants? She just doesn't trust him. She doesn't trust him and she's afraid of him. And he, Magneto tells her he doesn't, he'd never do anything to hurt her, that he wouldn't use his powers to hurt her. But that's not enough. She's, she's stuck on the person that Magneto used to be. And Magneto's always kind of functioned in this area of gray, right? He's, he's not good for good's sake. He's, He's a man with a mission, and he's willing to go to any extent, any lengths to, to accomplish that mission. And he functions in an area of gray, and she's not going to let him forget what he was. And she's just not able to trust him. She's afraid of him. And Magneto tells us a little of his backstory about... How his, at this point, at, you know, as, as Lee's broken down and, and admitted that she's afraid of him, he tells her about how his wife had the same look on her face. How he had used his powers to save them from uh, Miranding patrols of secret police. Yet she saw what he, that he'd used his superpowers to do that. And in that moment, he became different. And their love to her and to his wife meant nothing. He, Magneto had become no longer human. He was a mutant, a thing. And she ran away from him. She never saw, he, he never saw his wife again. And he didn't find out until much later that she had bore his, chil- his ch- children. And he begs her not, Lee, not to run from him in the same way. Telling her, I cannot bear to be alone. And I'm sick at heart at the realization of what I have become. Help me, Lee. I beg you. I need you. But the hand, and and then we get just a beautiful panel with some Claremont, uh, Narration, but the hand outstretched remains untaken. And this time, it is Magneto who walks away, his heart aching as it, had, as it was not for a lifetime, his spirit shattered as it had never been by the worst defeat. I mean, it's just beautiful. Like this, this moment this this romantic tryst this this amazing 
love affair between Lee and Magneto has accomplished something I think that Claremont's been working towards, and that is to to soften Magneto, to give purpose to Magneto, to to make him a sympathetic character. And it fills him out to makes him more three-dimensional and makes him more well-rounded. It makes him, this gives him the ability to, to be understood and not to just be evil, to make him a more morally complex character. And uh, it's going to be exciting going forward because Magneto is going to eventually help the X-Men. So that'll be pretty freaking cool to see. Uh, And we will see more of that in later issues of The New Mutants. Meanwhile, David's brain. The group has to make a decision. They're forced to the edge of this cliff face. And if they don't do something soon, they'll either be pushed to their deaths or impaled by these spikes. Uh, and Jack Wayne, he acts quickly. He uses telekinetic power. He lifts this platform up, and they all jump on onto this platform. Um, and Rain, she's getting sick. She's she's beginning to cough. Um, and Danny's a little worried about her, uh, but Xavier reassures her, "Hey, she's." strong her in especially in this wolfen form like she's more resilient than than you realize uh and meanwhile Doug is continuing to be hit on by Cindy she has taken a liking to Doug and uh is is interested in just continuing to flirt with him now Xavier's got a plan because Jack can't take him to the top of the mountain he tells him his his powers are pretty impressive, but this wind is it's it's everything he can do just keep him afloat. There's no way in the storm he's gonna get him to the top of the mountain. But Xavier, like I said, has a plan. He tells Danny that they're gonna use combine their powers to to attack to launch an attack on the mind of the young Arab boy, the young Arab man. And that's what they do. Danny's a little concerned, though. He's a telepath. You know, isn't he going to be able... First, she's concerned. She's tried to use her powers here before, and it's not been successful. And Xavier tells her, well, he's sentient being. He's he's just like us. He's... It's an it's his astral form. He's he's thinking. He's he's adapting. He's he's capable of being. Uh, in, we can interact with him. It's not like these other creations that are. Uh, almost like rocks they they have no sentience sentient brains they're just not sentient they're not uh intelligent creatures so we can we can you can attack him you can affect him and he tells her that if she opens her mind he can help guide her he can help amplify her powers and so she does that and and what we finally discover the name of this this young this young man, his name is Jamal Jamal uh, Jamal Kamar Karm, Karmari. I probably butchered the last name, and he's he's prepared for a fight. He knows they're gonna attack him, and he's he's ready. He is ready as he's gonna be, and all of a sudden he realizes the form of that attack, and he call and and he realizes it's the pupil 
the pupil and the teacher. So Xavier and Danny are attacking him. And, and she does that. She, he lets out a horrible scream and falls to the ground. Um, Jack, at this point, begins to lose control of this platform. And people are being pitched off of it. And, and everyone thinks that's it. They're, they're falling to their death. But with, with <coughs> the, the Jamal uncompa- knocked unconscious or knocked out of the fight, uh, they have time to act. And they, in, the, in the atmosphere, or this, this presentation of the world begins to return to what it was. The mountain disappears, and they're only a few feet off, off the ground. Everyone's fine. And they're at the base of the sphere. This, they're, they're at the sphere, the dome. Um, and Xavier pushes his way into the dome. And what he discovers is that the mind has been damaged. There's these crystalline figures uh, that, are, that are floating here, but some of them have been shattered. And he also is beginning to realize that someone has been trying to put them together. Only a telepath could, could do that. Only a telepath would be capable of putting back together these shattered crystals, these memory shards. Um, and so somebody's been trying to repair it. And the shards are also sharp, as we, are, we find out from Doug. They're, they're pretty razor sharp, so you, they have to be careful. Um, So as Xavier's examining these broken shards and repaired crystals, Moira tries to get his attention. She screams for him to look, but it's too late. And through this chaotic, whirling form, we we see it's Jamal, uh, the young Arab boy, and he's being flung into the crystals. And the only... a uh, person that seems to be able to react in time is Jack Wayne. And he protects himself with his telekinetic powers. And Danny notices this as well. While Cindy is left caught off guard, she does use her try to use her pyrokinetic powers to burn the shards before they strike her. Everyone else is left to fend for themselves. Um, and... Doug, who, ignoring his own safety, runs to to save, uh, to aid, um, to aid Cindy. So everyone's kind of caught off guard, and really, just it's it's not a good situation. Uh, as as the Arab shatters these uh, shards of memory crystals and. Uh, sends them cascading into everyone else. Now, Gabrielle Allers had enough because we finally begin to see what happened. And in fact, uh, what has happened is that this young Arab boy, Jamal, Jamal, was part of the assassin team that killed Gabrielle's friend and tried to kill her son. And that's when David's powers manifested and he pulled... He wiped the minds of these men. And, and Jamal, Jamal's mind was pulled in. He was pulled into David's mind. And David was never the same since then. 
and and Gabriel Haller has him pinned down and is punching him and striking him. Uh, and Xavier stops her. And he tells her nobody's going to be killed and nobody's going to die. And as he's dealing with with Gabby, with Gabriella, Gabrielle, uh, his his lover and David's mother, he he's not paying attention. And these glass shards are being flung at him. Well, Rain, she jumps in to, to save Xavier, knocking him out of the way. Um, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this bolt strikes him, and he is uh, lets out a scream in pain. Uh, and it's, 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 uh, Claremont explains this as it's as if his mind and heart and soul were being ripped from him. And Rain freezes as she sees him just screaming in sheer pain. And the jagged crystals are again flung at him. Jack Wayne throws more of the crystals at him, knocking Xavier uh, down with a huge crash. Xavier's incapacitated. And what we are beginning to discover is that this is the Beyonder. Secret Wars 2 is coming up, and this is the Beyonder. He is this physical, this psychic force that is just torturing Xavier with its, with, as it comes closer and closer to the Earth, and it's causing him great pain. While Jack stands, you know, as, as Xavier lays incapacitated on the ground, the young Jamil is helpless, and he's laying there, having been beaten by uh, Gabriel Huller. And Jack says, nobody left but you and me, boy. And that won't be long. Elsewhere, New York City, the Hellfire Club. Um, here we see Empath. And his powers, they've, they've still got their inhibitors. Emma recently um, has punished empath because he tried to manipulate her emotionally and caused havoc for the hellions in his attempt to uh really just toy with his teammates he was toying with uh warpath uh james proudstar uh who's trying to get revenge on the x-men for the death of his brother john proudstar and he was toying with the emotions of uh firestar uh a hellion who base uh she had a mini series uh Firestar and that was a four issue mini series and that's the story uh part of the story there and uh he manipulated her emotions and she up and left the team and Emma was furious and his punishment was Emma suppressed his powers made it so he couldn't use them couldn't access them well he is still playing games he is still uh still trying to cause problems for the new mutants and he meets with this woman in the hellfire club uh and he has two uh dossiers one is for magma and the other is for sunspot both new mutants and he's given it to this woman who has connections 
to the gladiators. And for those of you who are unaware of the gladiators, they've first appeared, I believe, in Beauty and the Beast. That's a four-issue miniseries uh, with Dazzler and the Beast. And Dazzler fought in this arena as a gladiator. It's a long story, but um, that's essentially who these people are. And what Empath is doing is suggesting that Sunspat and Magma would make excellent gladiators for this arena and uh that's he's he's given this this woman uh these dossiers and and and, and he's hoping that he that they'll slaughter each other he he's looking for a measure of revenge and the 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 woman here is more than happy to oblige and is 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 excited at this opportunity meanwhile back in david's brain jack wayne is about to plunge the dagger into jamal's chest and doug again not caring for his own safety jumps into the action and he dives at uh jack in an effort to stop him. But before he can tackle him, uh, Jack uses his telekinetic abilities and flings him away, knocking uh, Doug, Doug into some more crystals and shattering him. Well, this bought Danny time, and she uses her ability. She, she uh, confronts Jack here, and she said, uh, she, you know, Tells him he's showing his true colors, and he says, "I'm trying, Hiawatha, to save our collective butts. If you'll let me, surprise, White Eyes. I think you're lying." I love this because she had compared him earlier in the story to this old West, like a Western character, like from an old Western, right? Very, very much this machismo, like adventurer, like just untrustworthy, unscrupulous. Uh, white man and we're getting that from her well she pulls from his mind in this moment to 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 stop him she's got to stop him from killing jamal first off and so she pulls from his mind something that he'll fear and that's xavier helping the young david it sends it it's the thing he fears most and it buys them the time she needs uh, everything's in chaos right now and she goes to jamal uh, and Gabrielle's enraged. She has no trust or love for Jamal. He he tried to kill her son. He, she, he's done so much damage and harm to her. Uh, she tells Daniel to stop, but Doug intervenes and tells uh, Gabrielle, give her a chance. She knows what she's doing. And and you know she's she she is busy she hears Doug's confidence and it gives her hope that she's doing the right thing cuz she's not sure she's just doing the best she can in a really bad situation this is a no win situation and she's just trying to fix it Xavier's 
unconscious. He's not going to be of any help. And so they've got to figure out how to fix this problem. And the only way she can think to do that is to try to figure out what is happening. She needs to get answers. And so she goes to, uh, to this, to the telepath, uh, Jamal, and she reaches out with her side talent, aware that, you know, this is, this is the, she's the team leader. This is her moment of truth as team leader, uh, praying to the great spirit and her Cheyenne ancestors for help as she uses her powers to draw upon Jamal's happy memories to calm and revive him. And she's able to do that. And he awakens and he, and he, yells what have you done you know he 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 sees them having destroyed all his effort to repair this damage and he knows english now so she can communicate with him and they do begin talking and he explains what happened she she asks you know how is it that you now know english why why didn't you just talk to us from the beginning and he explains that he had a side link with doug and from doug's ability to uh he he could enter Doug's mind his Doug's mind wasn't closed to him unlike Cindy's and Jack's and so it was from Doug that he was able to uh absorb this knowledge um and it's Doug's translating tech talent his mutant ability with languages that allows him to learn English it just took a while and he he explains that he was trying to heal David. He was trying to fix the memories, and he's been helping da- little the young David, the 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 mental uh, the this this image of the young David. He's been trying to help, and we we see Sharon and and Tom Corsi's astral fig- forms here as well, and. It's it's a mess. Uh, nobody really knows who to trust. Jack's insistent that the Arab, uh, the young Arab Jamal, is to blame, uh, and the young Arab's stating that he's trying to correct the damage. Although he originally was upset and wanted, you know, wanted to take control of the body. Um, so Danny really doesn't know who to trust at this point. Um, and, and Jamal, what he's discovered, what he's decided is that he's got to fix the damage here because the body's out of control. And if, if he doesn't do, if he doesn't do something to help David's mind, David is going to end up killing him, destroying his body, killing himself, uh, just because he can't control these abilities that are that have gone unchecked, and so that's his his whole reason is so that he you know to save to save uh, the 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 mind of David. Um, and Danny realizes at this point, uh, you know, and, and and the young the young Jamal he he's you know. All that work, I was so close. I really thought I had won for nothing. I'll take too long to repeat the process. In the meantime, he could cause untold harm. I have no choice. I'll have to assume permanent control. And so the young, this young Jamal, he's, he's talking about just taking over the body and, and being in control of the body because to repair this damage in time... Uh, 
for David to uh, not cause havoc and damage and harm people with his powers, it, it just take too long because he he can't do it. It it took him forever to to repair what he'd repaired. Um, and Danny says, "No, maybe not. I haven't. You know, she's got an idea." With Xavier's unconscious, so no one else can help. It's it's up to Danny to come up with some sort of plan. And her idea is to have Jack Wayne use his teleconnect abilities to help move parts of the crystals and put them in their proper place. And if Jack and and Jamal worked in tandem. It, this could be done fairly quickly. And Jamal's not so sure he can trust uh, Jack and asks, it asks um, Danny if she can, and she tells him, no, she doesn't, but she doesn't trust Jamal either. And he and Jamal says, well, he you know, claims that Jack is evil. And Danny points out that Jack has said the same thing about Jamal. You don't trust me, Daniel, after everything, after, even after what I have said, especially after that, but I'm stuck. I have to save the boy and my friends, and I'm gambling. Your mutual hatred keeps you both careful and honest. Not the ideal solution, but it's the best I've got. And Jamal's worried that that Jack will refuse, but Danny threatens Jack, and Jack... He he says he will he'll he'll do what what Daniel's asked. And I really like this. Like Danny's kind of batting out of her league. Like this is the big leagues and Danny's handling the situation really well, I think. You know, she's left with a really impossible problem to solve. She's got to get her teammates Xavier, Moira, uh Sharon Tom Corsi, she's got to get everybody out. She's responsible. She's now the team leader, effectively, with Xavier down and out. And she's got to make this call. It's a tough call. And she's got to try to help David as well. That's the whole reason they came. But if everybody's dead, what what's it matter? And so she's got to get everybody out and try to solve this problem and hope that she can, or at least, you know, get them out and see and maybe take account of, of what's happened. Um, and, and that's what she does. Uh, she, she lays out this plan. Jack and Jamal will work together to repair the damage in David's brain and put these crystals back in their proper place and put them back together as best they can. Xavier wakes in Moira's lab on Muir Island to discover that Danny has saved them, that Danny had in fact stayed there and helped Jack and Jamal work together, Jamil work together to to repair the damage in in the in David's brain, and to try to help David. And she had stayed the longest of everyone and made sure that everyone was uh, returned to their bodies returned uh, out of David's mind before she herself left David's mind. And the tax on her body was nearly fatal. She almost died. And Xavier is just brimming with joy. He's overjoyed and thanks Danny for one, helping her son, but he's so impressed. You know, 
uh, telling me it was most impressive and exemplary performance under fire. And she says she's learned this from Xavier and her grandfather. And Xavier tells her, you've done Black Eagle's memory proud and giving me a gift that can never be repaid. Thank you. My son is well. And Xavier, later, he goes and he meets with his son. And his son is still suffering from multiple personalities. He is shifting from who is in control. One At one moment, it's uh, Jamal, Jamal, the uh, young Arab boy, and then Jack Wayne, and then Cindy, and then David. And it just alters back and forth, back and forth. And Jamal finally tells him, I fear Jack deliberately arranged matters to ensure his and Cindy's survival. I have failed you and your son. I am sorry. And it's, Xavier tells Jamal not, you know, he doesn't need to be ashamed. He's done his best. And no, more can, no, no man can ask for more. And Legion, uh, David it has control, and he asks if that's really his dad. And Xavier says, yes, David, at long last. And the two of them embrace in a hug. And it's, it's pretty amazing. This, this page alone, um, where we get different images of David's face, we get mannerisms from each of the personalities in his mind. And so you can tell who is in control without even really reading the text, because if you've paid attention to their faces in David's mind, you can see them translated to David's face when they are in control of David's mind. Um, Later, uh, Gabby and Charles take a walk on the beach, and Gabby wants Xavier to help help make sure to help his son. And Xavier says he will, but he's left to wonder because if you remember, his he'd been assaulted, uh, his, psychically assaulted by these powerful blasts. It's from the Beyonder, and it's confirmed here. Secret Wars is coming. Secret Wars 2, number one, goes on sale in April. So it is close at hand, and it's going to have major impacts on the X-Men line, on really the Marvel Universe in total. Um, And if you've listened to other podcasts or read it, you know that there's some really ridiculous stuff about it. Um, But uh, I think one of the saving graces are when writers like Claremont take it on take on that story and they bring it into their books and those crossovers, they can do some really amazing stuff. And there's a few, you know, when it does cross over with the New Mutants, uh, it's some pretty dark stuff that Claremont explores, but he does so very well. And the writing's superb and the characters, uh, the New Mutant characters hold up really well. And so I'm kind of you know, uh, it's not my favorite story crossover, uh, but the stories that are spun off of it, um, they're interesting and they're, they're worth examining. So I'm, I'm excited to explore those with you. Uh, this next issue is New Mutants 29, 
Meanwhile, back at the mansion is the title. Um, now, I I think probably my big reason for liking the Legion arc so so much. I mean, it's something that well, it gets mine time and time again. Uh, I do really enjoy the Legion arc, though. I I, I like one. I love the artwork. Zinkevich is amazing, and I like his interpretation of David's mind. I like some of uh, the artistic style that he brings to the table when we're when we're talking about the astral plane and how he explores that uh, through his art. Um, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy Danny's role in this closing issue. I think she's she's probably my favorite. I I don't know that that's that much of a surprise to most fans of the show. Uh, but if I, I think if I had to pick one character that I, I really, really adore from the New Mutants, it's Daniel Moonstar. Um, I'm a big Ileana fan. I really like the dynamic between uh, Sam and Roberto. I love their those two playing off on one another. I enjoy I enjoy them all. I really do. I really love these characters. Uh, but Daniel's pro- Daniel Moonstar is probably my favorite. And uh, to really see her step up in a way that I mean we've seen her before step up and and take charge and make some tough calls but here like people's lives were hanging on the line her teammates Xavier's and Xavier's son and she made a tough call and really uh I I love how this the story arc plays out it's not the perfect solution it's not even the best solution but it's the best she could do and it was good enough to save people's lives. And, and I really, really like that. And I, I just, I like that for her character development. Uh, she's going to continue to slide, not not completely out of the story arc. She'll, she'll, her character is always going to be fairly important to the New Mutants story arcs. Uh, but Ileana's going to take more of a front uh, seat. Uh, Magic is going to become more of the focal character. Her story arcs are going to really uh, be more she's going to just have more time and more importance to more story arcs as we lead especially up to inferno and that's still a ways off but you know that's a big arc for iliana's character and therefore we're going to see a lot more character development of her uh, i i think one of my fa- you know i don't i don't know when i solidified my my liking of my interest in Daniel, or my 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 favoritism for Daniel Moonstar, probably when she came back to X Factor, uh, or X Force, sorry, in the '90s. You know, for I remember she'd been away with Shield. She'd been first she'd been off in Asgard, then she was away with Shield doing undercover work for the uh, uh, Mutant Liberation Front, and then she comes back from being undercover, and then she goes cross-country with the team uh, in the uh, in the late 70s, and or the late 90s, sorry, and the, it's, it's like the issues 70 through 80, I think, is the run uh, in X-Force. Um, a really great run, and I, and I just really started to really like her character at that point. And then she loses her powers, and she becomes a teacher. She helps form the New Mutants second volume, which then becomes the all-new X-Men, which is basically another class of young mutants at Xavier's school. Uh, She'll be there to lead the X-Men Volume 3 relaunch. I mean, she is just consistently a badass character and 
a well-written character and when she's written to fit her character she's an enjoyable character uh and the way she interacts with her friends her peer group is fantastic uh so yeah this is absolutely one of my favorite arcs and it's a big reason because of the way it concludes it really gives a shines a spotlight on her abilities as a leader and a character and her strengths and i really appreciate that so uh yeah that was a really fun issue a story arc to cover a really fun issue to cover uh and it's zinkevich so that's always a good thing um we've got about three more issues to go before zinkevich steps off the book so uh We'll be getting into that next next week uh, as the rest of the team takes on the gladiators in the arena. Yeah. It should be good. I can't wait. Uh, Until next time, keep reading those comics. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast at Explore the New Mutants on Twitter via email at Explore the New Mutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episode are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. You can also reach the podcast by sending, uh, recording short, minute-long messages on the Anchor Messenger service. It's a great way for you, the listeners, to become involved with the podcast. I can take those segments and place them directly in my episodes. So uh, if it's something you got any questions, comments, please send them my way. I'd be happy to try to answer those on air or add your voice into the podcast. It's, it's a pretty cool way to do it. Uh, and it's it's fun. I enjoy it. And I think it's cool for you listeners to be involved in the podcast. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And next week we'll dive into issue 29. Meanwhile, back at the mansion. Thanks. <laughs>